This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Good morning. Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Yeah, I think it's only appropriate that as we conclude our series entitled Shift, in which we have been shifting our perspective to be in alignment with God's priorities, to be in alignment with kingdom priorities, that we would come to this passage of Scripture that concludes literally with Jesus asking his disciples to pray that God would raise up those who would go out into a field that's ready for harvest to be laborers in that harvest. So literally what's happening here in, in verse 38 of our, of our passage, uh, Matthew 9, 35, 38, is that the Lord is asking his disciples, his followers, to pray that God would raise people up to be a part of his kingdom work. And of course, uh, today's theme is shift into action. And that's exactly what the Lord was asking his disciples to pray about. That the Lord would raise up those who would be willing to shift into action. But as we look at our passage today, Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38, we really see it beginning this in a section of Scripture that starts in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. So if you compare Matthew 4, verse 23, to Matthew 9, verse 35, they're almost identical. In fact, they they bookend several chapters of Scripture. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, Uh, we see Matthew giving an account of Jesus who literally is going out and he is proclaiming the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And he is healing people of all kinds of diseases and sicknesses. And word is spreading throughout the land of, of who he is and what he's about. And then we move into Matthew chapter 5 and 7, which we know as the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is really talking about kingdom living, kingdom values, uh, what happens to lives that are transformed by the King, who's Jesus Christ. And we, we see in the Sermon on the Mount uh, a picture of, of what lives transformed by the King look like, of those kingdom values, those kingdom ethics, what life in the kingdom Entails and how it's to be lived out. And then we move from Matthew 5 and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, in which he is proclaiming the message of the kingdom, good news about the kingdom, 
to chapters 8 and 9 in which he now gives demonstration of kingdom power and authority. You see, Jesus is the king. And the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God through Jesus Christ was inaugurated with Jesus, what? Birth, life, death, and resurrection. And it's established. And, of course, the Jews have been waiting for the Messiah. And the Messiah was going to be the king, the one who would would rule and reign, right? From the house of David, the, the throne established by David. But this king, this Messiah, would establish an everlasting kingdom, a kingdom that would have no end. And here's Jesus in Matthew. And He is announcing... And then demonstrating the authority and the power of the kingdom. And in chapters 8 and 9 of Matthew, we see this demonstration. We see kingdom authority and power. We see that Jesus has authority over nature. We see miracles involving nature. We see that Jesus has authority over disease. We see Him healing every manner of disease and sickness. We see that Jesus has authority over demons. In fact, the verses just prior to our our text today, we see Jesus delivering a man from a demon. And not only that, He has authority over death itself. For in these chapters, we see the example of Jesus raising someone from the dead. And so, the king has come, he's established his kingdom, and in that kingdom, he announces the good news, and he gives demonstration of the kingdom's authority and the kingdom's power. Authority and power over nature, over disease, over demons, over death, and over sin. He has the authority and the power to forgive sin, and to make those who are broken spiritually whole as well. And that's what's going on. And we come now to uh, the close of chapter 9, verses 35 and 38. And what's just happened is the religious authorities who have been witnessing all this and seeing all this, they're threatened by it. It doesn't fit their paradigm, their understanding of how God was to work or, or, or who or how the Messiah was to come. And so they accuse Jesus of delivering a man... Uh, that's uh, demonized by the power of the devil himself. And of course, as we read in our passage today, I want to focus on two verses, verse 36 and verse uh, verse 37 and verse 38, where um, it says that Jesus looked upon the people and he was moved with compassion because he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. Now, really, the context of this goes all the way back to the Old Testament in Ezekiel chapter 34. You might recall, God speaks through the prophet Ezekiel to the rulers of Israel, to those who were intended to be the shepherd of the sheep. God had entrusted them to care for the people. But they hadn't done that. In fact, they had fleeced the flock rather than caring for the sheep, uh, healing the sheep, feeding the sheep, uh, going out and looking for the sheep that are lost. They took advantage of the sheep. And really, they had abdicated their God-given responsibilities as leader 
over the flock of Israel. In Ezekiel chapter 34, God says this. He says, you haven't fed my sheep. You haven't healed my sheep. You haven't cared for my sheep. My sheep are lost and wandering and you're not going out and finding them. He says, I'll tell you what, shepherds of Israel. I'm going to feed my own sheep. I will do it myself. And you, I will feed you with judgment. And at the very end of chapter 34 of Ezekiel, in verse 31, the Lord says, These are going to be my sheep, the sheep of my pasture. I, the sovereign God, will love them and care for them. And so we see this lived out in our passage today, Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38. We see uh, the religious leaders of Israel, rather than acknowledging the king and the establishment of the kingdom, rather than celebrating and joining in what Jesus has come to establish, what are they doing? They're being critical. Uh, they are accusing him, literally, of exercising the power and authority, not of heaven and of God, but of demons themselves. And here's Jesus now in verse 36. He's looking at all the people and he's aware of the religious leaders and what they're saying about him. And his heart is broken. He's moved to compassion because literally they are what? Sheep without a shepherd. Now, you know that the Messiah was going to be a king who was going to come from the house of David and establish a throne that would be everlasting an everlasting kingdom. And David was not only a king, but what was David? David was a shepherd. And so we see in the person and work of Jesus Christ, the king, who inaugurates the kingdom, we see also that he is a shepherd. He's the very fulfillment of what God promised in Ezekiel 34, when he said, I will shepherd my own sheep. And how is Jesus is the good shepherd when he looks at the flock of Israel, he's moved with compassion because he sees them like sheep without a shepherd. His heart is broken. I want to show you a, a picture. It's of a rock. Now, David Willie, who is a member of our church, uh, was hiking up at Mile High. And as he came up to the top there, and he hiked along the ridge, he came to a place where there was a pile of rocks. And on top of the pile was this rock. It had been placed there by somebody. And let me show you, or let, let's look at what it says. It says, false hope in my past. I tried to commit suicide. Broken from relationship. And then acceptance of change and forgiveness. Now, you know what the amazing thing about that rock is? David reports that that rock, as you stood and looked at that rock, it was literally within the sight line of our church. And can you see the picture of Jesus looking out at Eagle River? Looking at the sheep in the pasture of the town we live in? And his heart being moved to compassion because there are people who are like sheep without a shepherd. That need the healing and the wholeness and the restoration that only King Jesus can bring. And so if we're going to shift into action first and foremost, we have to have the heart of Jesus. Our heart has to break for the things that break Jesus' heart. I don't know about you, but that breaks my heart. 
But it also gives me a great sense of priority that we can be a part, we can be instruments of Jesus bringing hope and healing to broken people in our community. And so there's verse 36. Verse 37 and, and 8, what happens? He, he says, now I want to, to ask you, his disciples, he said, to pray that God would send workers into the fields that are ready for harvest. In other words, there are the sheep. They're there. And they're like sheep without a shepherd. But I want you, who are my followers, to pray that God would send workers into the field to be a part of a great harvest. But before anyone shifts into action, what is Jesus compelling them to do? To pray. Do you know that prayer is action? And if we are going to do anything of heavenly significance in this church, if God is going to move through this church, it's going to start with a movement of prayer. Because we need to be about prayer. We don't want to be guilty of just rushing out to do something, shifting into action, and then asking God to bless our ignorance. We want to be a, a church body who is built on a foundation of prayer, who in God's wisdom and the power of His Holy Spirit, then move as He calls each of us to take our part in His kingdom work. And of course, when you pray for workers, be ready. Because in the verses that follow in chapter 10 of Matthew, what happens as a result of that prayer? His disciples, His followers are the ones that go, that God sends out into the fields that are ready for harvest. And so we see a beautiful picture of the Lord stirred to compassion and then raising up workers and sending them, but first sending them from a foundation of prayer. And if we're going to do anything as a church of significance here, it's going to be as a result of prayer. Now, we have a panel this morning. I'm going to invite them up. And what we want to do is tell you about shifting into action, but shifting into prayer, because prayer is action. And in our church, there's been a movement growing of people who are just feeling compelled. They're just feeling that the heart of Jesus is a heart of prayer. And all through our church, as you can see in this insert, prayer ministry is breaking out in the church. All kinds of different prayer. And here's the great thing. Every single one of us is called to prayer. Every single one of us has participation in kingdom work through prayer. Do you know that? And here in the insert, both on the front and the back, you will see all the different opportunities to connect, to get involved in prayer. And this morning, as we shift into action as a congregation, we thought it would be great to talk about how God is shifting us here at Community Covenant into prayer. And on the stage, we have those who represent various expressions of that prayer in our church. Now, I want to start with Ken Thomas. Ken coordinates uh, the Sunday morning prayer. Uh, every Sunday, you're invited to go back in prayer. There are people ready to pray with you. Ken coordinates that. He coordinates the intercessory prayer ministry of our church. And so, Kim, what I want to ask you is, could you tell us a little bit about intercessory prayer uh, and, and, and what God is doing here through it? Thank you. Um, 
intercessory prayer is uh, is a, a prayer of covering. It's it's standing in the gap for for God's people. Uh, this um, this came to life in in my life in uh, the year two thousand uh, when when my son was born. I'll, n- I'll never forget the you know being in the hospital there and um, God opened my eyes to the pain of others. Um, and and that became a, a growing uh, theme in my life, especially the uh, the body of Christ. You know the the, the brokenness, the healing that that needs to happen in the body of Christ. Um, also, right right around that time, um, uh, casting crowns um, <clears throat> came out with a song that asked a question. If we are the body, why aren't his hands healing? Maybe some of you have heard that song. But but in my life, I became I just became accountable to God for that question. And the 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 burden was placed on on my heart to to intercede for for God's people, for for the body of Christ that that he would that he would heal us that he would. That he would uh, bring about um, a, a body that that could function as as he intended, uh, that the power of God could flow through uh, through his church, um, that, and and we we do intercessory prayer on uh, on Monday nights here uh, at seven o'clock, and um, I, I can tell you, and, and everyone that's been part of of that over the past year or so, um, it, it's just amazing to see to see what what God does actually does in in um, in the body through prayer. Uh, it's just it's just been a a very rich rich time to uh, you know be able to connect with um, with uh, others in in the body through prayer. And, and to raise um, raise things um, to him, um, my, my life has changed since since 2000. Um, you know, uh, well, prior to 2000, I, I was I was a very angry person. Uh, I would stand in my my church pew with uh, with a locked jaw and clenched fists, and and uh, I just wasn't wasn't somebody that that uh, God could. Really use, yeah. but but he he called me out of that, you know. All during that time of of confusion and bitterness, I still called out to him and and wanted to know what what my position was in in the body, what my place was. And and God has so turned my life around, um, you know. In place of that, he he gave me tears. Uh, some sometimes I struggle with that. You know, I'm a man. Um, uh, but I, I can tell you, you know, most of the time, if you know, when someone comes and, and, and wants wants to pray, mm-hmm. I can. I mean, God's given me the, the sensitivity to to just just feel your pain, and 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 that that comes out in in tears. Um, it's not something I have any control over, but but it's just a change in, in what what God has brought in my life. Because um, he, he called me out of 
out of a life of, of darkness and bitterness and said, why aren't my hands healing? And, and I became accountable to that. Mm. And um, so, uh, you know, intercessory prayer is, is, a, is a burden that you carry with you 24 hours a day. It's, it's a prayer for healing and, and health in, in the body of Christ. Wow. And so the Lord used you, even in your brokenness, through prayer, not only to bring healing in your life, but then to have the compassion of the heart of Jesus for healing for others. And as we think about that, some of you may say, but I'm not quite sure what this looks like. I'm not sure how to pray or how I should pray. Well, I'm glad you asked, because here at Community Covenant, we have a, a prayer class. Uh, Sunday nights is 6.30, and you're welcome to come. It's open. You don't have to have gone through the whole thing. It's open each week to whoever comes to the class to learn about the different aspects of prayer and how you can be involved in prayer and how prayer can change your life and the lives of others. And Rebecca South, you have been attending that class, and could you share a little bit about uh, what God has taught you specifically about how to hear Him? So I've I've been a part of this class. It's an amazing class. Um, I was really excited to go. Um, like Todd said today, a lot of what we should start with is hearing God. That's our, our step one is, is hearing what God's telling us to do before we go. So I went to this class um, expecting to hear God, mostly because I was with people that I knew could hear God. So being with them, I could hear too, just by being close. Um, so I went... Um, after a couple weeks, we did this exercise about um, finding out where your, your place is to meet with Jesus. Um, so I, I tried it, and um, it was it's all every week. It's really what Jesus tells me and talks to me about is personal to me. It's not this um, over, like, it could fit anyone. Like, it's, it's for Becca. Um, so my place is also about me and Jesus. Um, so my place is on a really big rock. I love boulders. I love really big rocks. They're, they're safe. They're secure. They're so big that nothing can move them. And I love that. So I like sitting on big rocks. So when I meet with Jesus, we sit on a big rock. Um, and I tried that at prayer class. And he talked and Jesus met me on my big rock. And he showed up. And every week when we pray, he shows up on Sunday. And so we left that day. And I went on to the rest of my week that week. And I, I needed him. I needed a big rock moment. I needed to feel safe and secure and to have hope and to have something from God because it was a hard week. And it kept happening. So instead of waiting till Sunday, I thought, oh, we're going to try it. I'm going to try to pray the way we do on Sunday nights at prayer class. And I did. And Jesus showed up still. And every time I did, Jesus showed up. Um, and that's really cool. I've gone to church here for a really long time, and I've heard so many times that Jesus wants to talk to you and he wants you to listen, but it's different when he tells you that, when he talks to you and he shows up every single time that you show up. Mm. And um, prayer class has taught me that I I can be one of those people that hears Jesus too. Um, so it's a really cool class. Wow. So, Rebecca, <laughs> what you've learned is that uh, you learn to pray by praying and being around others who do. And uh, that prayer class is open to anyone who'd like to come to that. Um, Heather. Uh, Heather Smith has been uh, attending our church. And 
helping to lead that prayer class. She's one of the co-teachers. And Heather, I'd like to ask you a little bit about something that has been present in our church uh, in years past. You may have heard about something called healing prayer. Uh, our church was kind of a hub of that for Alaska at one time. Um, it hasn't gone underground. It's still present. Uh, but it seems like the Lord is really moving people uh, in this area of healing prayer. And so I'm going to ask you, Heather, could you explain a little bit about um, healing prayer and how you got involved in it? Yes, I, uh, I got involved in it way back towards the end of the 80s, before some of you were born. <laughs> and um, I found that I was in a situation where um, I was broken and my marriage was broken. And I had a few prayers that came around and said, Heather, do you need prayer? Would you like us to pray for you? And I said, yes, I don't know what else to do. I might as well turn to prayer. And so they came around and prayed with me for several months, actually. And through that, I experienced healing and hope. Um, In that, I found that there was a lot of information out there I didn't know so I took on a a charge to learn and study and uh, receive teaching from other people and I've seen God move powerfully in people's lives people that really had no hope God touched and healed and so in that healing prayer time that I was receiving I said Lord, I want to give out back to those that want to learn how to pray and how to raise up other people. And I heard that um, there were people here at Community Covenant who wanted to learn, who wanted to go deeper in prayer, and I was invited to come. And um, whatever God wants to do, it's up to him. But I'm excited because through my experience with healing prayer, I found freedom to be who God created me to be. I didn't know what my call was, but now I know. And I think that that opportunity is there for each and every person if they want to be open and vulnerable and receive and then step out and do what God wants you to do. Wow. I heard last night I was at a banquet and they quoted Mark Twain who said the two most important days in a person's life are one, the day you were born and two, the day you realize what you were put on earth for. And uh, we thank God that he placed you here to help lead us in learning more about prayer, Heather. And, uh, you know, God does work. God does move. God does heal. He heals us spiritually. He heals us physically. He heals us relationally. And God is working in our church. I'm going to ask Ed Carlson. Uh, Ed, I know that you came and asked for some healing prayer. And yours was a physical uh, need. Uh, Could you share a little bit about how uh, God brought healing into your life? I'd be glad to. Um, I'm going to tell a little bit of Ken's story because he was involved with it. But uh, um, at the time, I had a very 
bad infection on my leg. It came from my knee down to my ankle. Um, it was red and oozing, if you know anything about wounds. Uh, it was basically a bacterial and a fungal infection, both. And uh, we had just gotten back with uh, um, a class in healing prayer, and Ken, as he pulled into the, the parking lot, heard very clearly from God, says, pray for Ed's leg. And so he came in and he shared it with uh, the group that night. And we said, okay. So we sat down and we did the healing prayer laying on of hands. And it was done. And, but it wasn't done. Because he heard and uh, another witness there said, no, we're not done. This, we're, not, we're not finished, I think was the exact words. We're not finished. And so the word at that particular time that they heard was is that I needed to expose my leg which was extremely embarrassing. And uh, Ken also heard that he needed to lay his hand on the wound and then pray for it again. Um, I reluctantly exposed my leg and set it out there so everybody could see it. And Ken came and went to put his hand on the, on the wound itself. And it, w- it was so bad that he moved his hand to my foot. And God, and God stopped him right in his prayer. Stopped him right there. He said, no, put your hand on the wound. And so he did. He put his hand on the wound and started to pray. And he prayed, not very long, about five minutes or so. And we started to see. I think his, his specific prayer was he wanted to see soft pink baby skin. And we started to see soft pink baby skin starting from my ankle and move up about three inches. Another word that we had was to take some wet towels and put over the top of it to take the skin off. And the skin on, on the top was scaly. It was just nasty. We pulled that off, and we sat there and watched as new skin was knit over the top of the leg. It was, it was incredible. We had a chance um, the week after that, or two weeks after that, to sort of debrief what we all saw, because there were Ken and myself and three other witnesses um, and each of us had our part. But, but what we came down with is, is that we had to both hear God and then humble ourselves to follow God and to step out. And, and that was the neat part. But, you know, the healing is neat, but the other part was it is not done. It, it, we're not done. Um, the ripple effect on that has just been amazing. Ken has been able, to, been able to share the story himself in other, in other groups. It, it's kind of like taking a, um, a pebble and dropping it in a pond, and you see the ripple effects go out. And Ken's been able to share it a couple of times, and you should ask him about that because that's his story, and he needs to tell it. There's a couple of that, that are amazing. I've had a chance to share it myself with a couple of other people, and it, it's just been part of the richness uh, of, of the healing prayer in here, I was able to share it with um, a woman here. And all of a sudden, it revitalized that life in her as well mm-hmm. and called her back. So what I'm hearing then is that uh, right here at Community Covenant, uh, in and among us, God is moving in powerful ways. And in your case, uh, there was a physical healing. But you know, God heals people spiritually, emotionally, physically. I don't know what your need is today. But first and foremost, today is an invitation for you to join in this prayer movement. And again, you have that insert in the bulletin. 
It lays out all the times right now that, that uh, we're meeting for prayer, the different kinds of prayer. I would encourage you to explore that. But then secondly, there may be someone here this morning that you are in need of a touch from God. And we're here to testify today that God is moving, that He's real, that His Spirit is powerful, uh, that the kingdom of God, right, has come in authority and power, and uh, He is manifesting all around us signs of that kingdom. This morning, don't leave. Don't leave. If you know I'm speaking to you, don't leave without going back uh, and being prayed for or praying for someone else. Also, in the back, we have a beautiful new prayer room with a prayer library where you can go and check out books and find out more about prayer. But that's there for you, too, to, to go and to look at. I want to thank the members of our panel uh, this morning. And as they come on down, let's give them a, a round of applause. And now as the worship team comes up, uh, let's bow and I'm going to lead us in prayer. Father, we thank you uh, for the testimonies we've heard today. Thank you, Father, that you are calling us to shift into action. But first and foremost, prayer is action. And you're inviting each of us, Father, to, to be a part of your prayer movement here at Community Covenant Church. Father, we thank you for the testimonies today. Father, we pray that you would touch each of our hearts and our lives. God, that we would join in intercession. Father, if need be, we would learn more about how we can become involved in prayer. But God, we acknowledge today and admit our dependence upon you and that whatever we're going to do as a congregation, it's going to be done on a foundation of prayer. And so, Father, we commit ourselves to you to shift into action. And first and foremost, to shift into prayer. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.